cute romance bookshop, and this is the Meet Cute Book Pod. Today, for our very first episode, I'm bringing you a conversation between Tallinn Viscuni and Ashley Herring Blake that took place last fall as a virtual event for the bookstore. That event was in celebration of Ashley's 2022 release, Astrid Parker Doesn't Fail, which I personally loved. It's a small town sapphic rom com about a seemingly perfect interior designer who has to rebuild her life from the ground up after a dramatic broken engagement, and the carpenter on her latest project who fundamentally disagrees with all her design choices, and who she definitely finds very annoying and nothing else. There is the added complication that that project is being filmed for an HGTV-esque home renovation show, so when sparks fly, they are caught on camera. This book is fun and sexy and full of queer joy. It's got small town quaintness and a close knit friend group. It's about figuring yourself out at your own pace and then deciding what to do if it turns out that the life everyone expects you to lead isn't the one you want. In their conversation, Tallinn will talk with Ashley about writing with a sense of place, Ashley's interior design inspiration, and the username for her Pinterest board what a day in her life as a writer and a middle school teacher is like, and how she felt about writing a character who's figuring out her sexuality later in life. They'll think through which of Ashley's characters they're most like and which ones they'd be friends with, and give some advice to other writers. Last but not least, you'll get book teasers for both Iris Kelly Doesn't Date, the last book in Ashley's Bright Fall series, and a holiday romance that hasn't even been written yet. So I will introduce both Ashley and Tallinn and then leave you to their conversation. Ashley Herring-Blake is an award-winning author and teacher. She holds a master's degree in teaching and loves coffee, somewhat controversially arranging her books by color, and cold weather. She lives on a very tiny island off the coast of Georgia with her family. Ashley is the author of several young adult and middle grade novels, one of which, Ivy Aberdeen's Letter to the World, was a Stonewall honor book as well as a Kirkus School Library Journal, New York Public Library, and NPR Best Book of 2018. Her YA novel, Girl Made of Stars, was a Lambda Literary Award finalist. She's also the author of the adult romance novel Delilah Green Doesn't Care and her latest book, Astrid Parker Doesn't Fail. Tallinn Viscuni is an Armenian-American writer who grew up in the Bay Area diaspora surrounded by a rich Armenian community and her ebullient, loving family. She graduated from UC Berkeley with a BA in English and currently lives in San Francisco working in tech. Other than a newfound obsession with writing rom-coms, she spends her free time cultivating her kids, her garden, and her dark chocolate addiction. Sorry Bro, her first published novel, also a sapphic rom-com, was just released January 31st. All right, without further ado, here is Ashley Herring-Blake, the author of Astrid Parker Doesn't Fail, in conversation with Tallinn Viscuni. Hello. Thanks, Meet Cute, for having us. Very excited to be here. Same here. I have a bunch of great questions. Well, hopefully, great questions for you, Ashley. They are great. I'm sure they're amazing. (laughs) I loved Astrid Parker Doesn't Fail, and I also loved Delilah Green Doesn't Care. Um, Fantastic series I'm excited to speak about today. Um, For those of uh, us who aren't familiar, can you tell us a little bit about the book um, about yeah. Astrid Parker? Absolutely. So Astrid Parker Doesn't Fail is, well, I have it here. There it is. 
um, is um, about Astrid Parker, obviously. Um, it's the second book in the Bright Fall series. And Astrid is an interior designer and um, has, you know, a complicated relationship with perfectionism. Um, she also has a very complicated relationship with her mother. Um, and so she, her business is struggling. She's an interior designer and she has an opportunity to go on an HDTV show called Inside America. I-N-N, um, where they travel around the country and renovate historic inns, always featuring like a local designer. Um, and so there's there's a historic inn in Bright Falls called the Everwood Inn that she's going to renovate and really excited, really believes that this is going to, you know, make her career. She's finally going to be able to pr- prove that she um, is a success, that she can do, you know, her job correctly, that she is um, able to um, basically be perfect and do exactly what's expected of her. But then she collides quite literally with Jordan Everwood, who is um, part of the Everwood family and also the Lee Carpenter. She's a bit of a disaster, has had some um, trauma in her past um, uh, with her love life um, and is just kind of fallen off the, um, what, what do you call it? Fallen off the map a little bit. Like with her family, she's just kind of hermited herself away. So her twin brother is like, you need to come home and work on this project with, with me and make sure it goes right. Um, really, he just wants her to come home because she's, she's a mess and he needs her to have something to focus on, which she kind of knows. So it's about both women and meeting each other um, and kind of figuring out who they really need to be at this moment in their lives and who they really want to be. And um, for Astrid, there's, um, you know, pretty big identity journey for her throughout the book, which um, I really enjoyed writing. So it's fun. I love it. It's probably my favorite of the series so far. Thank you. Oh, exciting. <laughs> Thank you for that. And yeah. yeah, speaking of the Everwood Inn, like the sense of place is so strong and Astor Parker doesn't fail. Both Bright Falls, you know, the city, uh, the town itself and the Everwood Inn. Can you tell us a little about the inspiration for the inn and maybe Bright Falls too? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'm just a sucker for small town romance. So when I was writing Delilah, Bright Falls just kind of came to be in my brain. I just, I like the Pacific Northwest. And so I said, I said it there. I just, I like the weather. I'm kind of a gloomy weather person. So I was like, let's put it o- over there. Um, and so, you know, the small town is really just kind of born from a, a, a love of small town romances. I just wanted a, a close knit town where everybody's up in each other's business. Um, but that definitely made space for queer people. I didn't want it to feel like an unsafe place for queer people. So that I gave them a pretty robust queer population as well, uh, or community. Um, for the Everwood Inn, I, I, I did have a little, um, once I realized I was going to be writing about it in Astrid before Delilah was out, I did go back and put a little mention of it in Delilah. Um, and so, you know, it's part of the town. It's this old Victorian house that's been in the Everwood family for, I can't remember now what the history is, but you know, several generations. Um, and I'm just like, I just have a fascination with like old, you know, Victorian style houses that have like all these, you know, nooks and crannies and eaves. And, um, and I just wanted to create a very kind of mysterious, almost haunted feel around the inn. And so I was like, well, why don't I also in the, in the story, the Everwood Inn is purportedly haunted. It's been like featured on haunted house shows, you know, like um, that would air, you know, on TV. And so, um, so there is a ghost of the of the Everwood end that that's a Everwood end um, or an Everwood, a, a cousin of like a distant cousin of Jordan. So I just really like the idea of having kind of a spooky, you know, dark and cobwebby house that, um, that 
you know, obviously Jordan loves for a lot of different reasons. And then Astrid, if you've read Delilah Green doesn't care, she is not a spooky, cobwebby, <laughs> eaves, haunted kind of person. She's a, you know, shiplap and pottery barn <laughs> kind of person. So, um, so a lot of the book is about how their styles are clashing. Um, and then the producers of the show want them to play up that tension. So yeah, I just, I just, I ended up really loving the Everwood Inn and what it ended up being designed as even at the end of the book. It was really yeah. fun to write. That, that actually goes right into what else I want to ask about. So it sounds like you're really into that and you can feel it in the book. Cause there's also Jordan has this like gorgeous design vision for the end. Like I can't get over the, the blue walls and the silver damask curtains. And so I was wondering like, okay, is Ashley secretly like a design and modeling <laughs> maven? What's going on here? These are so good. <laughs> Um, I'm not, I'm really not. Um, I mean, actually my style, I mean, you can even see back here, like actually my style is probably more Astrid style, which is very, you know, throughout the book, she's describes it as clean and modern and very kind of, you know, more, um, simplistic in terms of just not a lot of clutter. And, um, and so that kind of came easier for me. And, and honestly, like, it's really anything you'd see on any major design show right now on HGTV, which I do watch. I go through periods where I'm like, I watched like HGTV every single day and then I don't watch it again for like a month, you know, like on property brothers and you know, what, whatever else, love it and list it, love it and list it. Um, <laughs> you know, like really her style is really anything you would see on there. Um, you know, just, you know, the, the quartz counters and, you know, adding texture and the, the gray walls and, you know, just things like that. And so that came a little easier for Jordan. I knew she wanted to really preserve the spookiness of the end she agreed it needs modernized um because it's like falling down around this family and part of the um part of the story is that they really need to redo the end because if not they're not getting enough customers they're they're losing business and they're gonna have to sell this family institution if they don't kind of modernize so jordan's like fine yes but let's keep it spooky and cobwebby kind of but clean <laughs> you know so I really did not have any idea of how, what that should really look like. So I spent a lot of time on Pinterest, um, Amazing. a lot of time on Pinterest and I have a Pinterest board for this. So you can kind of see some of the rooms and how I envision them. If you, um, I forgot what my username on Pinterest is, but I'm on there. I think it's ADH yeah. Blake. Oh, and, I'm totally going to yeah, do that. <laughs> yeah. And my Astrid board is public, so you can see it. Um, and the blue room, like how I envision it is on there. Um, so I totally yanked <laughs> design ideas from these. I did not come up with them on my own. I had to like look at Pinterest because I'm a very visual person. And so like when I was like, okay, what would a spooky bedroom look like in <laughs> an inn, a Victorian inn um, that's trying to preserve some of this like ghosty history, but also looks like a place that people would want to come and stay and not be like, this is not sanitary. <laughs> so, you know, I had to kind of, I, you know, I had to like really go searching for that. So I spent a lot of time on Pinterest and, um, and I really took most of the inspiration from that. Amazing. Yeah. Got paid off. And yeah. Definitely checking that out. It was really fun. I mean, I wish that I like naturally had that. Cause I, I think I would love a house that actually looks like what Jordan ended up creating, not to give any spoilers, but, um, I just don't naturally think of all those. So no, I'm not a design maven. I'm a Pinterest stalker. That's really how I'm, I find the ideas there. Yeah. <laughs> <Cool>. <laughs> um, 
So I was, you know, I was really excited to see that Astrid, you know, pivoting to Astrid, she has a later in life realization about her sexuality. And I was really interested to read about that. And I was excited to see it in, in a book, in this book. So do you mind telling us a little bit about why you chose that and maybe speak to its importance? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so in, in Astrid, it's really funny because I have, I've seen people post like, oh, well, clearly you know, this is queer. It's gonna, the, the two love interests are um, women. And so, um, and I had some comments before the book came out, like, oh, I wasn't getting gay vibes or queer vibes from Astrid and Delilah. So I'm really interested to see where this is going. And I was like, yeah, me too. Um, when I first started writing it, because I did not plan on for Astrid to be queer. Astrid was actually going to be with Josh, who is um, Claire's co-parent in Delilah Green. So that was my initial plan was that because they like hate each other in, in the first book. And so, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I was going to do this thing where they were working on like a project. Cause he's also, um, he's a, I can never think of a contractor. Um, mm-hmm. and so, you know, I was going to, um, have them kind of clash on a project and, you know, enemies to lovers kind of thing. Um, and then I realized that they just, I never even wrote a word of that. I didn't even write a synopsis. Cause I was like, I don't want her to be with him. I just, I'm not interested in him. I feel like he kind of did his growing in Delilah's book a little Mm -hmm. bit. And I also realized that his story as a single dad would be not that they're anywhere near the same people, but kind of similar to Claire's experience as a single mom, which, and we got her POV in in Delilah. So I didn't want to be too repetitive with what my main characters were dealing with. Um, And so I just kind of started brainstorming again. I was like, well, who else would she be with? And then it was just like light bulb. And I was like, Oh, you're queer. And so, um, and so it just became like, I mean, as soon as I thought about it, I was like, well, obviously and my agent was like, yes, absolutely. And so then I started thinking about, well, how, how's this going to go? Cause clearly she wasn't in Delilah or, and, and she didn't know she was, and I didn't know she was. So <laughs> Astrid and I both went on a, um, Love we that. are awakening together. Um, but I, it's, it ended up being a really important story for me to write because it's very similar to my own. Um, I mean, obviously not like I didn't have Jordan Everwood, but um, Mm -hmm. I was a later in life kind of realizer of my own sexual identity. And so, um, which I think, you know, happens a lot um, to, to people our age and we don't really read a ton about that, like, you know, in, in adult romance. So I think it was, it was really fun, but also kind of um, you know, cathartic to write an experience that was very similar to my own that um that I don't I didn't see very much, you know, in an adult romance where, you know, a character is discovering that they have a whole sex new sexuality that they didn't even realize was part of their life. Um so that was just and I had a lot of fun doing that with like the cloud of people around her, you know, and her and Delilah bonded over it a little bit, which was fun to kind of write their relationship with how much, you know, they'd been through together in the, in, in their history. So yeah, it ended up being a really important story for me, which is one reason why I think Asher is probably my favorite of mm-hmm. the, of the crew. Absolutely. And and yeah. speaking of the crew, so you're really good at writing hot messes, both here and in <laughs> Lila Green, even though Asher doesn't seem like she is. She had definitely has elements. Oh, of she's that. a total disaster. She's yeah. a total disaster. <laughs> on the outside, yeah. it looked like it on the inside. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. Like that said, who, well, now you kind of answered, but like, do you feel you're more like Taylor or Astrid? Oh, sorry, Tish, Jordan or Astrid. Um, of the two of those, definitely Astrid. Like I definitely have like kind of, you know, I don't know, like 
princess tendencies, you know, where I just, I like things to be a certain way. Everything has a place. Um, I don't like clutter. Clutter <laughs> stresses me out. In fact, um, you know, and I have, you know, Astrid gets a little, if you've, I mean, you'll remember this from Delilah, so I'm not giving you any spoilers if you've read Delilah, but you know, she gets a little, she can get a little irritable <laughs> when she's under stress. Yeah. Just a bit. <laughs> Same way, a little bit. Um, so yeah, like I'm, I'm really, I think that of the, of all the characters that I've created so far, I think I'm closest to, I mean, obviously they're all me on some level because I made them, but um mm-hmm. In terms of personality, like I'm definitely closest to Claire and Astrid, kind of a blend yeah. of the two, I think. Yeah. What about you? Who do you, who do you think you are? Ooh, are <laughs> bringing I, a question I, on you. Ooh, like I, I, I would think a little like Claire, um, maybe with some Jordan. T- I wish I could be like Delilah. That's like the person I yeah. wish. I yeah. Would, I am an Astro, but I wish. I wish I had like everybody wishes they were a Delilah, maybe. Yeah. Just that like courage to be like, eh, I don't give, give it up, you know? Yeah. Uh, like, I, I yeah. love that. I'm, I'm not, um, but, I, but I also just adored Claire. So I'm, I'm happy yeah. to be a little Claire like, so. Yeah. 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 And, and that's who you're like, but who do you think you would get along with best in the Bright Falls world? Um, I think I'd probably, I'm an, I'm an introvert. So I tend to get along really like immediately. Like I, you know, I had definitely have other friends who are, who are major introverts, but you know, when you put two introverts in a room who are getting to know each other, it's going to be quiet for a minute, you know, while we were like, "Mm, small talk. No, thank you. Um, and so, (laughs) um, I'd rather be reading. Thanks. But I, so I think the person that I would probably like immediately bond with because they would just do all the talking would be Iris. You know, because she would just burst into the room and be like, hey, so tell me all about everything. Mm -hmm. Um, And at first I'd probably be like, oh oh my gosh. Okay. But, you know, then I would, I'd probably have a lot of fun because she kind of, she's funny. Oh yeah. Oh, she is. She is. She is so much fun. Yeah. Every time she's on the page, you're like, all right, we're in for a ride now. I I love it. Yeah. She's, she's a bit much. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. She's fun. Yeah. And, and so this, you know, the book is part of what it's about it went for, from my interpretation anyway, is like discovering what you really love and then leaning all the way into it. So do you mind telling me, you know, telling us a little bit about the inspiration for that element of the book? Um, sorry, which element? Oh, that like discovering what you really love <laughs> and then like leaning. All oh, the yeah, way. yeah, yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, sorry. I was like, I zoned out for a minute. Um, oh, no it's like. It's like 9.20 here, and this is my bedtime, y'all, as a teacher. I'm like, it's really good, but <laughs> oh, yeah. but I'm great. I'm great. I'm good. Um, so, yeah. So I think that, you know, I mean, you know, you look back like a generation. So I am a technically a Gen Xer. Um, I'm a right at the end of Gen X, right at the beginning of Millennial. But I really identify more with, you know, cassette tapes, uh, VHS you know, dial up internet. So I'm much more like of a Gen X or nineties kid, um, like, re- like in my teens and my nineties, you know? So, and, you know, I think about my parents and that generation and how, like, you know, you pick, you, you went to college. If you did go to college, you went and then you had a job for 40 years, 30 years. And that's what you did. There was no changing. Um, and then, you know, I think our generation, like I've, I'm already on a second career. I have two careers in fact. And then my partners are also on a second career. Um, and so, and then I think even, you know, the next generation, the next generation, it just, I think it just becomes more and more, um, acceptable and okay to try things and not like them and change and, 
and and that's okay and that's part of being a human person and that it's okay to pursue happiness um you know i think about like you know like my grandparents or even my parents i'm like did you even like your job um you know like and um and you know and that's a privilege you know and astrid in the book even talks about how like some people don't get a choice some people have to do what they have to do to make ends meet um you know and so i think that when we do have the privilege or the ability to explore who we are and what we actually love you know that's a really beautiful thing that, that um you know i wouldn't want to waste and so i think with astrid she's just kind of realizing that what she has been doing for the past several years is was kind of chosen for her um and she had to kind of come to a decision which i think a lot of a lot of people our age and younger you know are kind of or my age and younger are kind of experiencing too you know like they might major in something and then they realize they didn't they don't really love it and so they have to come to a choice where are we going to you know change your life or are you going or, or are you just going to settle for that and that's okay and that and i'm there's no judgment there either um you know because we all have different needs and different ways that we need to get through the day and take care of our families and the people around us and our friends but um you know so i think there's just a lot of room there you know when you can to fall in love with your life um and you know and if we can do that i just think that's a really you know, amazing thing. And so that's really what Astra's journey is kind of about, about like realizing that she doesn't like who she is um, when she's doing this life that she's been like kind of locked into. Um, and she has no idea who she's living it for. Um, and, you know, what is she going to do about that? Um, so Ashley, what uh, was your favorite part of the book to write? Like, what did you just love and just like revel in as you're writing it? Um. I mean, I always like, you know, I'm like going for that. I'm like working towards that first kiss, you know, like I'm always like, totally. you know, like those are always the fun, the fun ones. And I love writing sex scenes. I think it's just really fun. Um, uh, so I'm always kind of like, yes, all right. Oh, you know, I'm like getting ready to do the sex scene. Um, but I think other than like, you know, the steamy bits, um, I just really like writing. I like before that kiss and the sex where the two characters are just, you know, gra gravitating around each other um, and that, that pull and that longing um, and the tension that's building. Like I, I like any scene where I am, I am building, which is really why what makes romance fun. Cause really every scene is you're kind of building that tension. Yep. Um, and so I just love writing that, you know, the longing between them and the yearning and, and, and that's why I like writing dual POV too, because I get, I can put in both of them and like what they're both thinking and how they're both viewing the other ones obvious yearning you know being an idiot about it not realizing that's what's happening you know or whatever it might be mm -hmm. um but i really love that and i for this book i i actually really liked writing the um all the design scenes um and that was fun and i liked um i also liked um what was that one? oh the the grand the grand gesture which i won't tell you what it is but i do i did really enjoy writing that that was fun yes. i like writing that yeah <laughs> process like what was the day in the life for you while you were writing the book right so um so i'm a well i have a full-time day job i'm a, i teach sixth grade right now um right now hopefully maybe that'll change <laughs> um i don't know um so i don't do a whole lot of writing during the school year because i just especially the beginning of the school year because i just i just can't um i do a lot of planning so um, before I'm ready to write a book, I, I just, I sit on it for months. I just think about the two characters, what they, who they are, their backstories, what they want, what they need, 
what their fears are. Just I go on bike rides and they they have conversations in my head with each other. And that just and I don't write any of a, a ton of it down. It just kind of gets me started. I make a Pinterest board <laughs> um, with what they look like and some other like mood things. Um, and then I write um, a pretty long synopsis. Well, not super long, like six to 12 pages. It's not, I'm not a super detailed outliner. I just write a synopsis um, to hit all those major beats. So I know what, what I think might happen, you know, at each kind of major point in the book. Um, and then lately what I've been doing is, is because I've been having books due in the fall, I've been kind of starting the writing in like April and, um, and then I'll usually write a few chapters and I'll send it to my agent and I'll send it to my editor for like approval. Um, and then, and I'll, I'll kind of do like a low word count goal in the spring until I'm out of school, like 500 words maybe. Um, and then of course I'm still at school, but then in the summer I go like full throttle. So I get up and I make my coffee and I sit down and I write. Um, and I'll usually do, you know, maybe, I mean, it depends on the day and what I'm doing, but if I'm not doing much and I'm on a roll, I could do two to 4,000 words a day. Um, four would be a lot. Like usually two ish is probably normal. Um, and so, and I would just, you know, bang that out. And then once I feel like I'm kind of at a spot where I know what I'm doing the next day, you know, I'll stop and do, do it again the next day. So I do that for a good two months, just solid. Ooh. Um, yeah. And then I'll usually finish the book at some point in July. Oh, I love it. I love, I love your process. And now it's also even like by the month. Cause I mean, with school year. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah. Like that. I'm about to start a holiday romance. Like that's my next one. So I'm trying to like write some of it now because it's <laughs> holiday. So I'm like, I, you know, in the zone. Um, just makes sense to kind of get in the, get in, get in the mood. So we'll see how that goes. Oh, very cool. Yeah. Um, so I'm wondering, you know, what do you hope readers will take away from Astrid Parker doesn't fail? Um, yeah, I think, I think the biggest message that I want to send, if people were looking for a message, you don't have to, it's a romance, just have fun with it if you want to, but, um, if you wanted to look for a message, I think it's that, you know, um, it's not, it's never too late to be yourself and to, you know, step into who you fully are, you know, it's never too late for that. So, yeah. Love it. Um, so we were talking about Iris before, and I know there's going to be a next book. Iris, um, Iris Kelly doesn't date, right? Is, is, yeah. Is that the final mm-hmm. Bright Falls book? It is. Oh. It is. Yeah, I know. Um, yeah. Yeah. Is there anything fun you want to tease about it? Um, so Iris Kelly doesn't date is, um, it's fake dating. So it's a fake dating trope. Um, it involves a little bit of theater. Um, it involves a romance author, which is Iris. Um, so that's kind of a new thing for her. That wasn't really, but she always, in all the books, she's loved like romance reading. So um, she kind of steps into this new, you know, job and as a romance author. Um, and, and it involves some Shakespeare. There's some Shakespeare up in there. Um, queer Shakespeare, by the way. Ooh, queer, tr- queer twist on Shakespeare. Um, so Yeah. That's probably, probably the love interest name is Stevie and she um, has um, anxiety. So she's actually diagnosed with general anxiety disorder. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's, you know, a hot mess mm-hmm. as all my characters are. Um, anything less? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's a, there's a horrible meet, meet cute hookup <laughs> one night stand that ends in not a good way. So I'll just do that little teaser. <laughs> That was, those, those were some great teasers. Yeah. I, I can. <laughs> <laughs> so good. 
So we do have, we do have time for questions. So I'm looking yeah. through now and um, Caroline asks, um, how do you balance teaching and writing and have any of your students read your work? Oh gosh. Um, <laughs> well, uh, I mean, I kind of went through like how I do teaching and writing, you know, yeah. just a minute ago, but um, so yeah, I don't do a ton of writing during the school year. It's just, and if I do, it's a very low work count. I do not like, like goal, you know, every day or, I might only work, do it on the weekends, you know, um, and just not try to stress myself out because, you know, teaching is, has enough with it. But, um, you know, I do write kid books um, and I, I don't teach under Herring Blake. I have a different last name that I, uh, that I teach under. So I don't tend to let my students know my name. They do know my author and then they really want to know my name, but they, I don't tell them because I'm not there to be an author. I'm there to be a teacher. And I just don't like to blur the lines a whole ton. Um, I also am in the South, so I have to be a little careful with, you know, the safety issue of just what I'm spouting down the halls. Um, mm -hmm. And so uh, I have had a few students, though, like one asked me one time via email because it was during it was the first COVID year. And we were I did have one virtual class and she asked me, she's like, Miss Pope, Miss Pope, that's my other last name. She's like, you look exactly like Ashley Herring Blake. <laughs> and she totally knew who I was. I mean, oh. it was tongue in cheek. She knew who I was. And I was like, oh, well, yeah, yeah. Because <laughs> um, and then the other day I had a student, current student, um, and it's these two students who um, I know are are queer. They've shared that with me and they um, are, are great kids. And um, and one of them asked me, he just came up to me and they're like, hey, did you did you write Delilah Green doesn't care? And I was like, <laughs> excuse me? Um, no idea how she found out. Like one of their moms like found me on an author page. So I don't know if they were actively looking for me, if they were just looking at authors and hey, that's my teacher's face. Um, I don't know how it happened, but I was just like, I need you to keep that to yourself. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was like, also, and she was like, I haven't read it. And I was like, uh, I hope not. <laughs> Good. Yeah. Like, I do, if you do want to read something, I have kid books. Like, don't do that yes. one. Lord. Um, yeah. So I was just like, it was a very like record scratch moment. So <laughs> that's really the only, and, but they haven't told anyone. And because it would just, it would honestly just probably be chaos with all of them, like looking me up everywhere. And I just, I'm like, I can't, I'm, I'm, like I said, I'm trying, I just need a separation there. It's just for everybody's sake, but yeah. Um, let me see. Lexi asks, um, as you're leaving bright falls, crying face emoji here, <laughs> what qualities of that space will carry over to your next works? Um, or how will the next settings be different? Um, hmm. well, I mean, I am just a sucker for small towns. So, I mean, my holiday romance is set in a small town, like obsessed with Christmas. Um, I, I, I mean, I, you know, I like writing. I think the reason, one reason why I gravitate towards small towns is because I like making towns up. Um, and I think it's more difficult to create like a big metropolis, New yeah. York city type city. You know, like if I was going to write a big city, I'd probably just set it in New York city or San Francisco or Seattle or whatever it might be. Um, Nashville. I, I do kind of plan to write a Nashville book eventually. Cause I lived in Nashville for a while. I love Nashville. It's my favorite city ever. Um, so I probably will have a Nashville set book eventually, but um, you know, right now I don't really know. I haven't thought much past the holiday romance, mm -hmm. which like I said, is a small town. Um, and that's going to be a standalone. So I don't really have that. I do know that what my next book, I want to start another series, but I'm not sure Ooh. what it's going to be. I just haven't gotten that far. Um, do you know if you have any other middle grade books, um, planned? 
I do not right now. I don't have any kids lit books planned right now. Um, I got pretty burned out, right? Oh God, my cat just jumped <laughs> right next to me and terrified me. I was like, ah. um, sorry. Um, I got pretty burned out after I, I put out like a book a year from 2016 to 2019 and 18 was two books. And so it was a very, and my, and my kid lit isn't just about, you know, two people and trying to get them together. (laughs) Obviously it's a little more, um, I wouldn't say more complicated or harder to write. I would just, because I think all writing is hard. Um, but it, it was a little more emotionally taxing, you know, than there, they, I dealt with a lot deeper issues in my, my kid lit books, um, especially some of them. Um, and so I just don't have any, I've tried, honestly, like a couple of my friends and my agent too. I'm like, okay, I'm going to write another YA. Like, here's the idea. I have it. And then I start writing and I was like, I don't have it. I don't have it. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think part of it is that I just, I don't know if my voice is needed in that space anymore um, because I'm not sure. I think everything I wanted to say to 12 year olds and 17 year olds, um, I said it with, with the books that I've already written. Um, and so I'm definitely not closing the door. If I ever get an idea that I start writing and I'm like, yes, this is absolutely what I, what I need to do and want to do, then I, then I'll, then I'll write it. But right now I'm just having fun in the adult space. I'm having fun writing people who are closer to what I'm dealing with right now. Um, and just kind of, and, and enjoying, you know, what I've already put out in Kidlet as well. So definitely. We'll see. Yeah. Yeah. I, I know that feeling of, as you, you've like, um, You've kind of examined the topics you want to examine. You've shared topics you want to share in, in that space. So I, I, I totally I get that. Yeah. I mean, and like with romance is different because it's like romance. My my one goal is to get two people to smash. And so it's like, I, I, I will never exhaust that and the fun of that. So, um, but yeah. And then, like I said, like, like Girl Man of Stars, my, my last YA that I wrote, like, I kind of really see as my YA opus. Like it just was, it really dealt with everything I wanted to say about teenagers being a teen girl queer teen girl um you know and so I was like I don't know what else I would I would say (laughs) (laughs) and I could write a rom-com too or why a rom-com but um I just haven't haven't felt the the inspiration for that yet so we'll we'll see who knows yeah so I have some other questions um any tips for writers writing their first adult lesbian romance oh goodness um mm -hmm. Um, <laughs> I, mm, I don't know. Do you have any tips? <laughs> Dalene? Um, you can offer I mean, tips too. I, um, I wrote a couple first that didn't work and I don't know. It's good to practice. Like right. I never see the ones that didn't work as wasted time and that's, I, they were necessary. Like I had to. Oh write yeah, absolutely. Books. I mean, really, I think it, it wouldn't be any different from me, from the advice I give to any writer, which is just keep writing, keep, keep going, keep, just finish the book eyes on your own paper. Um, don't, I mean, really like all you can control is the words and, and, you know, with queer romance, you know, I think sometimes we get like, Oh, this is so important. And it's, um, you know, we need to put this and it is, I mean, I mean, we do need more of those romance, but you know, at the end of the day, what we want people to see queer romance as is, is, is just love. It's just, it's just a love story, you know? And so you're writing to people who are, falling in love and getting together and realizing that they want to be together. Um, so, and that's fun. Um, you know, so I would just, 
keep writing. Um, I mean, some people don't like to read while they're drafting because they worry it like bleeds in. Um, but I would, I, I have to read while I'm drafting because it fills my well. So, um, so I would read a bunch of romances and just find, you know, find ones that you really love as well and figure out, you know, what, um, what did they, why did I love this part so much? What did they do? You know, study it like you would a textbook. Um, and, you know, so, because that's really how, that's what I tell my students too. I was like, the best writers are the, are, are good readers because you read, you know, what you like and, and sometimes you read what you don't like and that's helpful too. So keep writing and read a bunch. Definitely. Um, the fun, uh, like, uh, what, what's your favorite holiday treat or cookie or beverage? Oh, mm. um, I do like a peppermint mocha. Well, sweet. I never drink. I know I never, I do not drink it other than the month of December and I haven't had one yet. Um, this season, but yeah, yeah, I know I need to go get one, but I do enjoy that. Um, I, let's see, treat. I mean, I like, am usually I gravitate towards like cookie brownie scone kind of thing. Like I'm not huge on cake. Um, so, you know, I don't know. I don't, I'm trying to think of a specific holiday one. But I just like chocolate pie. I mean, just give me some chocolate pie. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, and then also, can you talk more about the holiday book? Oh, yes. Okay. So um, I'm like, oh, yeah. Um, yeah, it's called Make the Season Bright. Um, and one of the main characters' name is Brighton. She goes by Bright. That was a little clever thing there. Anyway. <laughs> um, it's cute. Anyway. Though. Um, so it's about Brighton and Margot and, um, let's see, I only have the synopsis. I haven't even started writing this yet. I'm about to start, but let me try to get my brain around this. Um, so it's, what is it? Goodness. Okay. So it's small town. I'm trying to think of the trope, what it technically is. Um, it was going to be fake dating originally, but then Iris became fake dating. So I had to change it. Um, so basically Bright, um, grew up with this trio of best friends henry and Margot, and she and henry their parents are best friends and they had like been together romantically since they were like 12 um they got engaged at like you know 20 and they were going to get married at 22 but then bright runs out on her wedding and moves across the country leaves Margot as well um which is you know her other best friend um so she's been gone for like six years and she's you know only come back and has avoided everyone so she's coming back for the holidays and Henry, who had moved away to heal his broken heart, has moved back. Margot has never left um, because Margot is kind of has kind of taken on the role of raising her little sister because her mom's not really uh, able to do so as well as Margot would want it done. So she has never left the town, never went to college. She runs a florist shop. Um, and so it's about Bright coming back. And um, her mom makes her do this like Christmas dating activity that's like in the town where they go on six dates it's like you know and then and then Margot's friends are like you need a life you don't do anything except work and take care of your sister who's now in college so you need you're going to do this dating thing too and Henry's like yeah I'll do it with you and so then but then the three of them collide so it is a bit of a true love triangle where you know they're all very involved with each other emotionally on some level Mm -hmm. um but you know obviously it's queer so um and and Henry is not queer so um Margot and or maybe he is, I don't know. But Margot and Bright are <laughs> gonna end up um reconnecting and getting back together. So it's it's childhood friends turned 
estranged friends turned lovers. So I think it's going to be fun. And here's another question. Would you ever be open to the idea of the series becoming a movie um, or a TV series, or do you think it should stay within the pages? <laughs> You're like, I don't think there's, uh, yeah, I don't think yeah. there's any author who would be like, nope, this cannot be a movie. Yes, we all want our books to be movies. So yeah, I would definitely be open to that. Um, there might might be some things possible in the future that I can't talk about, but Woo. not nothing definite. Those who don't, you know, so yes. But I'm very hopeful that something will happen with Delilah. Yes. Someday. As you say, let's all put like manifest like positive vibes yeah. out of the universe. Just like we need this. It. We need this yes. so badly. What an excellent note to end on. Thank you both so much. This has been great. I am hopping back in because we like to wrap up our conversations by asking everyone the same question. And this is for both of you. Could you tell us about a book you've loved recently or any book you just really want to recommend to people? Um, I will plug um, a holiday romance if you're into it. Um, In the Event of Love by Courtney Kay. Um, One of my favorites of the year. It is just super cute and cozy and um, just a wonderful book to read during the holiday season. If you're looking for one, um, very steamy as well and queer. Thank you. And then Talene, same question, but if you could first give us a preview of your book coming out in January, that would be delightful. So uh, my upcoming book, it's going to be launched January 31st, my debut novel called Sorry Bro. And it is a book about a Armenian American woman in the Bay Area who gets proposed to by her longtime boyfriend in the worst possible way. And she realizes she needs to find she's like done with that and needs to restart. And her mom uh, convinces her to go to this series of Armenian uh, events to try and like husband hunt for an Armenian, uh, like the perfect Armenian husband. And there are all these bachelors and she has a Facebook, uh, she has like a spreadsheet where she like Facebook stalked all them and said, you need to meet these people. Um, But it's not any of the bachelors she likes. It's this like witchy Armenian woman and they really fall for each other. It's like very like, like at first sight kind of a thing. Um, and, uh, but the problem is that Nar, Nare, the protagonist is not exactly out as bisexual and it's like not even on her family's radar at all. So it is, it is a coming out story with a happy ending. Um, so that is, that is it. And there's a lot of Armenian culture in the book. There's like a brandy tasting event, um, a line dancing event, uh, Armenian cooking class. So there, there's a lot of that in the book as well. And I am loving, I'm in the, actually, I'm almost done now with Meryl uh, Wilsner's book, uh, Mistakes Were Made. Woo, holy steamy. Like, wow. Yes. It's so good. Um, Amazing. Just fantastic. I'm having the best time with it. Um, so that that is wonderful. And uh, I want to like plug an upcoming book by uh, Elle Gonzalez Rose. And it's actually, it's YA uh, romance, but, and it's, like if you're not into white, you will just read this book. Like it's so good called Caught in a Bad Fomance. It is a uh, queer male male and it is so good. So funny. She's just brilliant. And uh, I am sure you will all love it. And there you have it. Thank you so much for joining me for the very first episode of the Meet Cute Book Pod. I hope you enjoyed Ashley and Tallinn's conversation as much as I did, and I hope you'll tune back in for more deep dives into romance writing, reading, and publishing. I'm Becca, the owner of Meet Cute Romance Bookshop in San Diego, California, and this has been the Meet Cute Book Pod.